Hey folks, today's episode of Tim Foyle Has brought to you by Spotify. Hey, did you know that Tim Foyle Has now available on Spotify? Spotify is making it easy for you to stream this podcast and many others like it on your mobile device, desktop app, and smart speakerphone. Open the app on the mobile or desk, click on click the browse channel, and then click on podcast section. Take us with you wherever you go, thanks to Spotify. Tinfoil Hat. Check us out on all of our social media platforms on Twitter at Tinfoil Hat Cast, Reddit.com backslash R backslash Tinfoil Hat Show, on Instagram at Tinfoil Hat Pod, or all comedy t shirts.com. Email us at Tinfoil Hat Pod at gmail.com. Tinfoil Hat. I'm not hot and heavy, I'm heavy and hot. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Tinfoil Hat. Tinfoil Hat. Tinfoil Hat. Come with me into the waters of conspiracy with Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Tripoli's a bit crazy, but he's a really good guy. <laughs> with my friend Ryan Davis. Uh, hi, Ryan. We're like the first gay couple of conspiracy theories. I think it's beautiful, man. <laughs> hey, man, where's hey, the man. truth there, dog? Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? It's some mystical, deep, dark realm crazy shit. Are you ready to get your mind blown? What is that laugh? It creeps me out. Guys, welcome to Tinfoil Hat. You know who we are. You know what we're here to do. Real quick, before we bring in our guests, I want to make a couple announcements. First of all, March 25th is the big live taping of my comedy hour at the Viper Room. Uh, Super excited. It is filling up. The 9.30 is about two-thirds full, and the uh, 7.30 is almost uh, halfway full. So uh, get on it now. I know once it gets closer, it's going to pack out. So get it. Email me at live at gmail, okay? And just put if you want to go to 7.30 or 9.30 and which show you want to go to. And real quick, also a huge announcement, Tin Foil Hat Comedy Night, Sam Tripoli, Eddie Bravo, myself, will be in San Francisco at Cobb's. And then we will be, that will be June 1st. And then the Sacramento Punchline, June 2nd. One show each night. So please come and hang out and come get it. If we sell out, that means we're going to be on tour. So we need all your help. If you're anywhere in either of those areas, come support. It's your favorite conspiracy theorists talking about comedy, conspiracies, and everyday life. So one more time, that is June 1st at Cobbs, which is a giant club. So we need real help in that San Francisco. And I know we got a lot of listeners in San Francisco. And then June 2nd at the Sacramento Comedy uh, Punchline. So those tickets are about to go on sale today. So grab those real quick. Uh, my man, Ryan, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Ryan worked really hard on the new logos. We got some logos here. We got that one with uh, me with a uh, Hershey kiss on my head and giant psychic uh, uh, beams coming out of my forehead. Armo getting going crazy on that. And, uh, and we have an exciting thing. I know you guys, uh, some of you guys uh, were like, what's up with the sound on the last uh, the last episode? Uh, the truth is we had to live stream it, and that's the sound you get. It's either that or nothing at all. So, yeah, our new artwork is by uh, at Instagram at Ed Gentile. We'll put uh, in the show notes. Thanks, man. We really appreciate your submission. Super excited. Now, uh, why don't you get to our who <laughs> is right. our guest? Today's I'm guest has explored the outer reaches of human culture and possibility through the expeditions into some of the world's most interesting belief systems. The author of Hyperworlds, Underworlds, The Angelic Reformation, Monsanto versus the World, 
Queen Valentine, the editor of Gener Generation Hex, Ultra Culture Journal. He's written for Vice, uh, Esquire, and so much more. Please start to align your chakras and open your mind to the one and only Jason Louvre, everyone. Jason, welcome. Thank you for having me on. Man, you know, you are the best dressed we've ever seen here. <laughs> I was a little worried. I was I was overdressed on the way over, and I think the, the worry was legitimate. So. I, no. I, I don't know there. why you were like, hey, man, am I on camera? Am I going to dress up? And I'm like, what is this guy going to come dressed like? Is he going to come up in some wizard outfit, you know, like Gandalf the White right, Wizard? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the first option in the mirror, and it just didn't look quite right. But, so. you know, you came dressed nice. You look like a, a, like a deep state arms dealer like well, people like, people accuse me of being a deep state maybe not an arms dealer but mk ultra at least online all the time so maybe i am I hey am, I if know. you're not called a gay jew shill you you're not doing it right that's what i've learned since <laughs> yeah. we've been starting to do there this show that's like the mark of approval from the internet yeah so you have an awesome podcast ultra culture out there what's that about um yeah so the podcast mostly i talk to experts in the field of spirituality and esoteric practices and anyone who has spent a lot of time thinking about and practicing techniques to radically shift human consciousness which is my primary interest and I frank love that. frankly what i think people need most right now because we're kind of in a rut as a species uh i won't get into your book that's coming out in april but i wanted to talk to you about like we're kind of talking like in the world in which you've dived into and and studied and you've gone down some serious rabbit holes how is living in that world versus what this pop culture, instant fame, instant information, no real like uh, uh, kind of uh, studying, but just like whatever the title of the, 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 the article is, is the facts you spit out kind of world that we live in. Like, how do you how do you deal with being in that world and and the world we live in at the same time? Well, that I've definitely changed my opinion on that over time, because when I first started out, uh, talking about and, and writing about this stuff, I, you know, it was kind of a big hurdle to get over internally because I was, you know, I didn't know how people were going to react. I thought people would be very angry or, you know, want to shut that down or not want to talk about it. But I've actually found the opposite, which is that people really want to hear about this stuff. They want to hear about, um, you know, real spirituality, not necessarily just dogma religion, but you know, techniques that can actually help them. So I've actually, that's kind of been humbling for me that, and it would be the people you least expect, you know, hedge fund managers, you know, Instagram stars, you know, like, you know, all kinds of people. So, but I certainly, um, yeah, I mean, people are all scattered and all over the place. And I think that's probably our biggest weakness right now is the inability to hold one train of thought from one I think all that's next. done on purpose, too. I could so? see why those people you mentioned would be into that because they're ultra successful people. And you could say whatever you want about an Instagram model. Uh, there is uh, it's a completely saturated market. And to be able to stand out in that is not easy, you know, sure. and there is a level of cutthroat. There's a level of like I was doing a political show recently. And we were talking about like. You know, why is Hollywood full of so many like psychopaths, you know, because and I just think to make it the highest level that Hollywood is no different than Washington, D.C. or Wall Street in that it takes a level of psychopath to to get to that level because you got to make some kind of cold blooded decisions in terms of like, am I picking like money and power over love and people and stuff like that? Not everybody, but I would say 
a lot of them, if not most of them, there's a, there comes that decision. And I could see why right. they would want to turn to you and eventually be like, hey, man, like, <laughs> what is really going on here? Because I've sold my soul or I've, 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 I've put all my eggs in this basket. Sure. And that makes me really scared. Uh, and what it, what it, what do they mostly ask you, and what do you mostly tell them? For the, I mean, I'm not like 100 percent in terms of like everything you say, but like kind of what is the message you kind of give them? Well, yeah, and it's certainly not just successful people that you know that I that I teach. I probably taught maybe 30 or 40 thousand people, uh, you know, these techniques at this point. Um, but uh, what you know, my message is um, very simple. It's that spiritual spirituality is a practice it's something that you need to train at and that you need to get good at just like going to the gym would be right so you know we, we've inherited this idea in this culture that spirituality is a one-stop shop like you go to um, church and you're okay or you know religion sells the idea that you just do what the religion says and then you're okay that i don't think is actually true i think that spirituality for instance with meditation or yoga practices or visualization or any type of focusing practice is something that you have to train at every day just like uh, athletic discipline and so that's what i try to tell people i try to give them basic <laughs> techniques so that they can construct a spiritual life and an inner life on their own terms that fits them instead of you know this idea that there's like a one size fits all that you just go to you know the church and they give you something i think that uh, spirituality is something that people should directly take responsibility for and and build for themselves just like they would take advantage of or, or, or you know, um, take uh, control of their diet or just eating organic food, that type of thing. And I, I think that it's a core part of being a human and core part of in, in a very non-woo way. Um, and it's a core part of growing on this planet. And it's what people are missing most of all because we have, you know, at least in in the first world, we have almost all of our needs met. We've got, you know, we have food, we have shelter, we have all the information we could ever possibly need times a billion constantly on tap. Uh, you know, we have transportation, but, you know, we we're, we have no souls. Right, <laughs> so right. That's kind of an important part there. No, that is very interesting. And that was a great answer to a butchered question. So thank you very much for cleaning up my uh, my thing. Uh, so you have a, my question. Do you have a you have a book coming out in April? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So the name of the book is John D and the Empire of Angels. And it's the history. It's the secret history of the last 500 years. And how, you know, the occult uh, and the elite have influenced Human history. I love that, dude. Yeah, I so love that. If you're into conspiracy theories, this is the mother of all conspiracy theories. But the good thing about being a journalist is you can dig in and find things that are way weirder than conspiracy theories because they're they're actually true. Oh, that's now, so. Now, before uh, uh, Jason got here a little early, Sam uh, was a little late. We were talking about uh, a common friend you guys have, uh, Duncan Trussell. Uh, I was wondering, does Duncan constantly ask you to open up portals and summon entities? Is he just like, come on, man, let's play with Beelzebub? Like, <laughs> there was a little portal opening at the last time I saw Duncan. Really? Um, yeah, and we forgot to close it, actually. And Shut he got upset up. about that. But I shouldn't say too much about Los that. Los Feliz. <laughs> <laughs> really? So, yes, I, no, literally, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, hey, so do <laughs> So, yeah. So what I find very interesting about your book, I want to get into again a little John D. 
and the Empire of Angels is that I, do you find it interesting that this notion that fake news is now this real big thing? And maybe I'm jumping to conclusion, but I haven't read the book yet and I look forward to doing it. Is that maybe there's been fake news since the start? And only the fake news that is being talked about right now is the questioning of authorities, the elites and all that stuff. Whereas the elites have been selling us fake news since the start. And that's kind of something I always argue about with people. It's like, oh, fake news. Oh, oh, YouTube. You're watching YouTube. I'm like, well, you know, textbooks, we've seen they've been chock full of just complete and utter lies. Right, right. right. And, you know, and it's just, you know, we did it. We did a show on the uh, black the black sun and like how there's almost been a demonization of mother earth and, and you know, the, the divine feminine over a very long time. And that like what's been sold to our society that feminism is, is women trying to be men mm. and may, and, and not to have any problem with you be whoever you want to be. I really have no problem with that. But the really, when you break down what the, the feminine feminism is, is empathy and and love and all that stuff and how we've really ran uh, run from that almost and it's to me like nothing happens by coincidence at, that the highest levels have been working levers and puppet strings and all this stuff for a very long time and you know maybe according to your book maybe that's the fake news for a very long time the the this story that gets sold to the masses over time well there's always been a story sold to the masses i mean look at world war 1 is a, is an example that i always like to to think about you know the the people you know working people all over europe were convinced to kill each other and and or if you look at any war or propaganda in any war effort how you know the average person like you me all of us all the people listening to us like what do we want we just want to like go home and like watch netflix and drink a beer and you know hang out with our loved ones and go to sleep and go you know get enough money to live and like that's basically what anyone wants all over the planet and if you hung out with them and spoke the same language you would basically be on the same page yeah so how do you take a population like that and convince them to kill each other well, obviously fake news, right? Or propaganda efforts or at the point of a gun. So I think the history of the world is obviously not singular. There's been so many things going on, but it's, it's, you know, it's constantly the story of people manipulating each other. And in terms of fake news, the way that I, I really feel about the whole fake news thing is, you know, having worked in the media and certainly the online media since the early 2000s uh, and the late 90s, you know, we really were hitting a critical mass point there where suddenly anyone anyone had a blog, anyone had ability for self-publishing, uh, self-publishing on Amazon, anyone could have a podcast, and WikiLeaks happened, and Snowden happened, and, like, all this information was coming out, and people were talking to each other and communicating, and it was, you know, and then Occupy happened, and it was a big deal, the idea that... and. The, you know, legacy media, as they say, just losing their control and their grasp. You know, nobody watches ABC anymore. Nobody watches NBC. Mm-hmm. They listen to podcasts. They listen Except to Rogan. girlfriend. That's about it. Okay. <laughs> you know, people it's listen. crazy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> people listen to Rogan, you know. It's like that's where people get their news from. And I think that was very, very um, terrifying to, you know, these established media companies, obviously. So I think that uh, – you know, I don't think it's been a mistake that this the meme fake news was deployed. And when they first started, they first started pushing that and like Facebook started censoring that. I started thinking, well, wait, you know, like my blog is fake news. You know, all the blogs that I get information from are fake news. And I don't just mean um, 
you know, and, and reading the mainstream media and at working as a journalist, like when I was working full time as a journalist, my job was to look for stories that hadn't broken yet and things that were not talk, talked about. And I found those stories in blogs and on Twitter and on things that would be considered fake news, but it was just people with a blog who wanted the truth. In the mainstream media, what are they reporting on? The Kardashians, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that Trump has been, uh, not to go into that rabbit hole, but I think that the whole fake news and the political insanity that's happening now and the political fight, it's a, a, a gigantic distraction from the real story. And that I, I think the real story is that, you know, humanity, you know, has had been given this tremendous uh, ability to communicate all of a sudden and change the narrative. And, and we should remember that. I completely agree with that. And uh, I remember that uh, we were podcasting and uh, Obama just passed the law, which stated that the U.S. government is lawfully allowed to uh, use propaganda against you know, uh, uh, really against its citizens. And that's, you know, that that is a verifiable fact. And I, I remember saying that I thought that that meant they were just going to flood the Internet with a million different direction stories. And that's kind of where we're at right now. And to the point where, you know, where the people you only want your news it's only do you need another water too by the way sure, yeah. uh, if you, do we have any more water where the only verifiable news that people will take is from the people who have caught lying to you over and over again i mean we're looking at operation mockingbird we're looking at msnbc who's supposed to be the liberal hiring the ex what fbi or cia agent we are now seeing uh, control. I mean, it's all controlled opposition. We are now seeing where uh, ex-CIA officers are flooding the Democratic Party, running for nominations to yep. get in office to represent the DNC. And if you know, and and this is, and I want to go back to you, like getting people to infight with each other. The change has always come from the left. It had always been this. Hey, man. We we don't want the status quo. We want love for everybody, uh, equality for all. And they realized that. I think Vietnam really opened their mind when there was these mass protests against war. Right. And, and since then, it's been a war on the left from uh, the power elites. And well, that's a great that's a just to jump in. I mean, that's a great um, parallel because the reason there was such big protests with Vietnam is because of television. That was and they were televising. Uh, soldiers coming home in body bags and that was the first time that people had actually seen the consequences of war in their face in their living room you know it's if you see people coming back in body bags well maybe you don't want your kid to go to vietnam and i think it's the same now with blogs and podcasts and the internet and social media it's like you can't do anything anymore without people seeing it you know you can't you know it's all this stuff is just coming out and people are seeing you know war zone executions and things like that it's like you can't really fool people anymore. It, so. it is very interesting. And, and you know, with the change comes from the left. So the best way to stop change is to completely control the left and get everybody fighting with each other. So instead of everybody working together, and we've said this a thousand times, and whenever you do, I always get barked at. Oh, you know, now he's telling us how to protest. It's like, no, I mean, you got these women march. You got the Black Lives Matter march. You got the uh, the uh, uh, support, the Dreamers march. You have the Gay Rights March. And they're all very valid marches. Why doesn't everybody march together? 
because at the end of the day, your your cause is their cause. They're, we're all asking for equality across all. And now there's this thing where, and I get it, I get yelled at, the demonization of white guys, just like there was a demonization of all these other groups over the longest time. That's all to get everybody to fight with each other. Because if they come together, that's one coherent unit fighting against the power elite, which are manipulating us left and right. Having, I mean, we are paying taxes to a machine that is just committing war crimes around the world. I mean, look at what we did. We just anointed a woman who not only was participated in black ops and black sites to uh, torture people, but was one of the people who basically created the program. Right. And you, and how long can we be putting this energy out to the rest of the world before they go enough? And, I, and, you know, I talk to people all the time. They're like, I'm just not paying attention. I go, that's what happened in Nazi Germany, dude. Everyone's like, I'm not getting in the middle of that. I'm not paying attention to any of that. And then what happened? And that's what's going on right now. We, we are not bringing peace and love and freedom to anybody. We are going in, breaking backs, and stealing resources. Right. And it's all done by the power elite. Something you said, Jason, made me think about, about your own personal experience of saying how people in Vietnam saw the bodies coming home. Uh, I know you spend a lot of time over in India, and you've uh, what would the practice called where you uh, watch the bodies decay in order to reflect on your own mortality? Is that a sort? Is that a Hindu or is that Buddhist meditation? What is that? Well, exactly? that's something that a couple different traditions do. For me, it just happened to be what I decided to do, you know, that week. But um, what part of India were you in? Varanasi also used to be called Benares, which is on the Ganges uh, Ganges River in northeastern India. But yeah, the the Agoris do that, and Tibetan Buddhists do that as well. Buddhists do that quite a bit, meditate on corpses. But the Ganges is where, uh, you know, there are kind of concrete platforms split out, uh, spread out across the river. And bodies are brought there and then burnt, cremated in open air. And it's generally considered in Hinduism that if you do that and then you're, uh, you know, usually nothing's left but the skull and they break the skull at the end and then they cast the ashes into the river. And it's considered that if you do that, that you're liberated from the wheel of rebirth. You don't have to be reborn again. Mushka. Is that what it's called? Moksha. Moksha. Yeah. yeah, liberation. Uh, it's potentially one route to it. So, but I sat there. And watching for about a week and not as a voyeuristic thing, but to, again, it's one of these things that, that we don't have in our culture. Um, death is hidden in America. There's actually a great book from the 50s called The American Way of Death that talks about how much uh, death is sanitized and hidden from Americans. And in India, it's obviously because, you know, it's not that way. I mean, it's just death is out in the open. There are dead bodies all over the street. You see people dying on a daily basis. Uh, and then you see bodies being burnt. And uh, you see there how transitory life actually is. And it's just, a, you know, a, a, like a blade of grass cut down in the wind. You know, it's like you see and, and literally tang tangibly and, and viscerally, it's, it's just here and then it's gone. And I think that if we did have that in this culture, we would probably lose a lot of our neuroses. Yeah more connected to the actual cycle of life. The reason I wanted to bring that up, because even though your book, that the most recent book right now coming out in April, is about Western uh, occultism, but mm -hmm. to understand like John Dee and the true Western occult, you have to go back far to the foundations of like where Hinduism is, because the idea is these ancient cultures, magic, the word itself, doesn't come from uh, Maya, which is the Hindu word meaning illusion. So it's like, and it's funny that the Mayans, the ancient cultures, they also created the, 
the concept of zero. So these con these pyramid building cultures is what I kind of wanted to like get into. Just I think it might have been Islam. Islam. Yeah, but I could be wrong. That made zero. <laughs> yeah. There That's we go. So interesting. So uh, what does that mean? Which part? How did they invent zero? There well, was no was, concept of zero before that? Yeah, nobody had that concept before, but I may speak out of turn here because I don't know the, the perfect history of it. It's a truly psychedelic idea, the zero-point field. Like, there is no outside, there is no inside. It's a true idea that the oneness and it to be zero. You're not, like, Well, nothing, nothingness scares people. It terrifies Western people. And it, it terrifies um, a lot of religions, uh, but, you know, I think that... The Buddhists and other religions are very interested in the idea of non-existence and and the void, you know. And I think that that might be a, a psych, more psychologically healthy perspective, because when you really think that things exist, you start to get really like, uh, you know, neurotic about making things happen and you know proving to people that you're real and that you exist and you're really important. No, I get that. Or your God is so important and uh, causing all kinds of trouble. Yeah. Yeah, that just seems to be Hollywood and just every religious war out of there. <laughs> so check it out. Right? The single eye or the third eye concept stretches back thousands of years and appears again and again in myths, sculptures, engravings, and paintings in pre-Christian cultures across the world. The third eye being the organ of spiritual illumination that lies hidden in the human forehead. Where the two areas of the eyes see outward to material things, the third eye sees inward to the soul. Further back, and we look, we see more the third eye in art and architecture, literature and poetry. I mean, the whole idea is awakening the third eye is tossed in Eastern traditions like Hinduism and the connection to Egyptian religious beliefs, uh, which is, I wanted to like just say that's, it's crazy. Most people don't really talk about that. The dot, the third eye dot, or the third eye chakra, or the bindi that you see a red dot on um, Indians, you'll see the same thing in, in Egypt. Does that represent the third eye, the dot right mm -hmm. there? Ah, that's sure. so interesting. Well, it also, of course, represents the pineal gland. Yes. Right. So uh, the pineal gland, of course, being the gland in the center of the brain, which, uh, you know, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, produces DMT endogenously wow. when you're born and when you die, and which can at least theor theoretically be activated by yoga practices. So a lot of these ancient cultures, when wow. you really dig down and you look at a lot of these symbols and a lot of these metaphors and these kind of like science fiction-y descriptions of things, a lot of times what they're really talking about is um, uh, yoga practices or ritual practices to make the body do certain things. And one of them is, you know, deep meditation and, and deep, um, you know, breathing exercises and things like that will get you real high into really intense altered states of consciousness. And, you know, this is one of the things that, um, you know, I certainly teach people how to do, but, uh, and then once you, once you have the experience, you realize it's not such a big uh, deal, you know, but when you look at the art, it's like, Whoa, what is this stuff? You know? Well, are you speaking per, uh, about Kundalini yoga particularly? That's, that's absolutely one, one method. Yeah. I mean, but although, although what most people know is Kundalini yoga now, you know, I've gone to some Kundalini yoga classes in Santa Monica, that type mm -hmm. of thing. And it's, you know, there'll be like, you know, somebody telling you to bend over backwards while a guy runs around with a didgeridoo and somebody's playing a gong and they're like burning sage. And it's like, what's going on? This is just stressful. You know? It's got to be so interesting. I want to go there. I mean, the reason I say this is because um, Kundalini Yoga teaches uh, the initiates to balance or unify. And this also awakens what they call the serpentine power. So the idea is, if you see here, for those listening at home that aren't seeing an image, your chakras are from straight line up your spine and the energy is if could you explain kundalini yoga I'm, why would i try to do it 
<laughs> yeah, so so in theory, the okay. Let's see. How do I explain Kundalini? I'm trying yoga? to explain like how the serpentine is male, female, sun, moon, or opposites. So the, so the so the the real form, quote unquote, real form of Kundalini yoga is called Kriya yoga, and it was first taught in the West by Paramahansa Yogananda, who wrote a book called Autobiography of a Yogi, and runs the self realization. You know, he set up the self realization fellowship, which is you know all over Malibu. LA, yeah. right? And uh, you know, he he died in the forties or fifties, I think. But um, uh, so so here, okay, let's see, Kundalini, Kriya yoga, Kundalini yoga. The idea is that you have an energy, the energy of your nervous system. Let's just put this in scientific terms. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the energy of your brain and your nerve, your nervous system and all of your nerves come out from your spinal cord. And when you're born, that's constantly expressing out into the world, right? You know, you're constantly, you're born. And as soon as you're born, you start crying and then you start running around and you have to go to school and you have to do all these activities and, you know, you get caught up in life, you know, right. Maya, the illusion, right? Yeah. You got shit to do nonstop from the day you're born till the day you die, you know? And then, then of course you hit puberty and, uh, and now you start having sex and that energy starts just going out, going out. And that, so that energy for most people, for most people, you know, 99% of people, whatever gets expressed outward into the world as their activities and as reproduction, right? So it's also related to sexual energy. Um, the whole idea of, Kriya Yoga or Kundalini Yoga, uh, uh, this is secret wisdom here, is uh, reversing the current. So it goes instead of, ex in, for most people, express that energy expresses downwards and out into the world through, through their genitals, through sexuality. Uh, Kriya or Kundalini it reverses and goes back into the brain, in which case you start, you know, you know losing sense of a personality and merging back into the, the universe, for lack of a better word, merging back into the into Wow. into the void and that path is not for you know for most people because you kind of have to be done with life to, <laughs> to do I that get type that, of thing dude. yeah i'm close i'm it, close it's a threefold approach uh bhakti yoga which is for devotion shakti yoga for power and uh raja am i saying it correctly so raja yoga is kundalini kriya in, yoga so that's, that's the it. same that's that's what i'm talking about and there are lots of other yogas in in the hindu tradition of which bhakti is one and uh mm -hmm. My my personal view is that the Raja Kriya Yoga is the purest, you know, highest one. Yeah, and so what I was saying is the connection to the Egypt. Uh, it's called the Aten, which is the sun symbol, and it encapsulates, which basically means eternity. So it's crazy to think these cultures have no yeah. connection, but they have the third eye. Yeah. They both represent the same thing. And what's Everything really goes back to the same. Th it's just unbelievable. Think, to me. think about King Tut's sarcophagi, right? His sarcophagus. Yeah. Right there in the center where his third eye would be is a serpent. It's interesting. that, that, that It is that, that, so that, that, interesting, these, uh, right? Keep on popping up. So Well, the question is, were they actually disconnected? Because I, my, my, as I learn more and more, what I'm realizing is certainly before the beginning of monotheism and the beginning of these... What is monotheism so, for those who don't know, which is me? One, okay. re one religion. Belief in okay. one true God, one okay. true religion. There's only one way for everyone. Okay. Um, so that started a little bit in Egypt, but, you know, Judeo-Christian religion and then Islam as well. And, you know, it's, it's you know, and also Buddhism to some extent. Do you extent. think that's or orchestrated on purpose to divide people? This notion that you could only believe in one? I think that it, it you know, historically speaking, that's been the primary mode of control for human beings. Right. And I think that before that really started happening, the whole world was pagan. And and Hinduism is still pagan, but the you know pagan Europe was very close to Hinduism and, and Egypt, and people were 
sharing and talking and talking about these ideas and you know during trade during uh, going across the silk road so these ideas were in india they were in china they were in egypt they were in you know you can find traces of them in pagan europe and um you know the world was a lot more relaxed yeah maybe before these kind of totalizing religions came in and i think that the world is becoming like that again because of the internet because we're sharing information and just like we were talking about with you know, fake news and control. It's like people are really, really interested in, in esoteric stuff right now because they know that something's been kept from them. Something has been, because if you look at history, this stuff was for elites. It was for kings and priesthoods and, you know, the people who were in control. They didn't want the people to have this stuff. Um, you know, and then I came along. So. No, I told I, I 100% understand. Yeah, that. they knew the astrological wisdom teaching that man is a microcosm and that the universe is a macrocosm. I mean, this goes across all cultures. Uh, Joseph Campbell, the power of belief, he talked a lot about how men wear like masks. Here's a quote. Whenever one moves out of the transcendent, one comes into a field of opposites. These two pairs of opposites come forth as male and female from the two sides. One is eaten from the tree of knowledge, not only of good and evil, but of male and female, of right and wrong, of this and that and light and dark. Everything in the field of time is dual. Joseph Campbell. Sure. Yeah. I mean, things need to become dual to manifest. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the, the, the concept, I'm a Libra. I'm well, the only thing on the Zodiac wheel that's not an animal. And when my life is out of balance, and that's what the symbol of the Libra is, is a scale. Now, I don't put too much weight into that, but I'll tell you what, when my life's out of balance, I'm out of balance, man. And I know that the only way I can do that is just to take a fucking deep breath and... And that's a strange form of yoga is breathing. No, I get breathing that. meditation. I get that. Look at all the spirituality with yoga. And then I, then there's, you know, now everything's about yoga pants on chicks. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, that, that I think, I mean, that drives me crazy because, you know, how they, so that type of yoga, I will point out how the yoga, the type of yoga that's really popular. This is really going to bum people out when I tell them this, but it's not actually real yoga. What that actually is is a set of gymnastic exercises that were invented during under the Raj, the British occupation of India, to stop teenage boys masturbating so much. What? That's what yoga is. It's like graham crackers. Truth it's bombs. like graham crackers. And now people are like, oh, I'm so spiritual like with my guy crackers. in Matt. Oh, you don't know about graham crackers? What about graham crackers? <laughs> you don't know about frosted flakes? I or love not, oh, them. Corn flakes. Why? What's wrong with them? So Kellogg, he believed that the only way to stop people from ma- what made people masturbate was spicy foods. So he thought you needed to have a nice bland diet so that you weren't just like just wrecking your foreskin. Dude. You know what I mean? You get a so jalapeno you... on you and you're just like, woo. Uh, really? You're pulling a triple E, dude. That's just the most interesting <laughs> shit. So so Frosted Flakes was meant to stop you from whacking off? No, no Corn Flakes, Kellogg. Really? Whoa. Grape nuts will get you fucking not horny. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> right? So what Grape we're talking- nuts is just about like, yeah, uh, let me eat some gravel real quick. Are you dude. sure that's not just like when you get to the point in your life where you seriously start thinking about buying grape nuts? It's kind of over, you know? It's like- <laughs> no, I would be on that. My mom would always give us like, what are you doing with this, man? So then that yoga was just put together to stop men from jerking off right so it really has absolutely nothing to do with real yoga which is what we're what we were just talking about but of course it's really healthy for people you know it's like makes you look great you know so people love it you know? dude that just blew my mind <laughs> you just blew my mind dude 
And it's the funniest thing because now it's like all these chicks are hot chicks in yoga and all you want to do is masturbate. <laughs> it's the opposite right. of what just happened. Right. Totally. It just blew up in our face, man. There's that duality for you. There yeah. we go. So interesting, yeah, so as, dude. As so above, as so below, um, as inside, so outside, the world we see on the outside is but an echo or reflection of the world that exists inside ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just think about whenever you have been in serious turmoil with some bullshit in your life that you haven't gotten straight, you ever notice, oh, you got your car got dinged. Oh, oh you, you, uh, yeah. When it rains, it pours. So you just got to get right. You know what I mean? I mean, the conflict. I get that too, man. Huh? I get that. I do get that, man. Because every, and when it all, it's all coming down on you at one time, you could always be like, oh, man. It's because I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing that right. And then you clean up all yourself. Like sobriety is a great example of that. You know, I've talked to people about sobriety. I've had my sobriety. Yes, I do shrooms once in a while. I, I'm very honest about that. But sobriety, you know, it's like your life never gets worse when you get sober. You know what mm. I'm saying? Like, it ne- you're like, oh, I stopped drinking and just uh, I went into bankruptcy. You know, it, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but it's not because of your partying. When you're partying, you're not dealing with your problems. When you're you get in sobriety, you clean it all up. You yeah. know what I'm mm. saying? It's like so your, I, your life never gets better with meth. Like, how'd you become a CEO? <laughs> Crystal meth. Right, right. Has anything great been invented on meth? Is that, you know, because like forever there's stuff like hey, this album, they were so coked out of their skulls and they put Insane out the clown posse. Do, do you know the whole thing about Nazi Germany and meth? Yeah, dude, that's such an interesting thing. Isn't, right? that, isn't that wild? Bring it. Let us know. So, so I think this just came to light a few years ago. Uh, apparently the whole of Nazi Germany during the war was on crystal meth. Everybody. Because they were mass marketing it as this drug called Prevaritin, which was a capsule form, which you can't take crystal meth as. What? And they were giving it to everyone in the factories and all the SS people, and Hitler was on a ton of drugs. And like literally, it's like that's when a whole country becomes a tweaker, you get Nazi Germany. <laughs> yeah. And they're just in the bunkers trying to blow themselves, dude, right? That's everybody. My buddy calls meth the gay juice, because once you start smoking enough of it, you're going to get do- start doing some weird shit, you know? That's just, that's why they lost. <laughs> They're too, too busy watching porn and getting weird, dude. <laughs> I am the prize, dog. I am the prize. Yeah, so the problems then are not really problems, but symptoms that manifest outwardly, telling us where to focus our attention inward. For me, drinking wasn't my problem. Drinking was my solution. I was my problem. And that's what I like. I started looking into this whole shit as above, so below, Baphomet, the whole alchemist. The idea is to turn isn't to turn physical lead into gold, even though maybe the Anunnaki want to do that, but is to turn your lead bullshit life into a heart of gold. I get that, man. That's exactly I it. get you know I mean? that. I do these podcasts in a weird way only for Sam Tripoli because I, if, I, if he believes in himself as much as I believe in him, motherfucker, it's going to be called... <laughs> That T is going to be stand for Tripoli, all yeah, right? All Tripoli comedy. So. I, I agree with that. I, I just, I, it's just like, you know, when, you're, when you don't, just keep polluting yourself over and over again and you could just deal with your problems like you know people think you get sober all your problems go away no they never life is full of as long as there's other people with other desires and goals in life they're not always going to believe in your goals and sometimes your goals conflict with their goals and like that moment either you deal with it or you let it compound and compound and compound and compound. And then you're like, you're, you're just stuck in this world of shit. 
instead of just dealing with it. And I feel like this stuff that we're talking about allows you to deal, cleanses your soul, kills your ego. I mean, like recovery's sure. d- done so much for me. Like the notion that I'm not the center of the universe, which sounds so crazy, you know? I mean, we all think that like, like there's a part in our life. It's like, it's my problem with entertainment right now and giving the reins to 22 year olds and 23 year olds is like, the ego hasn't been screwed out of them yet. They haven't yeah. learned that, hey, man, I'm not the center of the universe. Yeah. I'm just one of many. And, I, you know, treat people well, good things happen. Yeah, dude. You got to go through that to become a full human being. And, and, like, you have to get your ass kicked by the universe and, like, see that your bullshit is just your own insanity that nobody cares about. And I think that if you don't have that experience, it's a disaster. It's a basic human experience that people have. And I totally agree with you. If we... You know, that's something that a problem, another problem we have in this culture. It's like if you if you just if you just worship 22 year olds, it's like you're, you're not looking at full human beings. You know, they haven't become part of the tribe yet. One hundred percent. And they're and they're thinking idealistically. And there is a place for that. And there is a place where young people remind older people of this idealism that we can strive for. But there's also that these kids haven't gone through this life and they realize that like Idealism is, idealism is is great, but realism is where we live in. And there's there's people and there's feelings and there's these people need this and these people want that. And you have to go through that to realize that, you know, you have to work with others. You have to treat people well. You know, we live in a town where, you know, there are some small people who try to exert some small power on other people. And I always tell people, chill. Those people always go away. Because if they're doing that to you, they're doing it to a lot of people. And then that eventually catches up with you. And the universe never forgets. And mm. it's a very freeing thing. One of the most amazing things I've learned in recovery is that the world's not thinking about me. Mm. And it's such a freeing thing. To, you know. And that's my big problem with the political correctness right now. And I've said this before on this podcast. It goes against everything I've ever learned in, mm. in sobriety, which is like... Most of your problems in your life are directly related to uh, decisions you have made. Right. And the notion that there's this group of people holding you back and trying to make your life miserable is not real. But, you know, when you allow people to blame their problems on, oh, these people, oh, my problems, I'm a woman and everything's a man. Uh Uh-uh, you know, I'm this and I'm that and this and that. It's just like, it's not real. Right. And I'm not saying there isn't a guy who is, who in your personal life isn't fucking with you but the notion that this giant group is holding you back is not realistic well this is one of the reasons why i really love um you know alchemy and magic and this language of esotericism is because it's a whole other set of metaphors and a whole other set of ideas about overcoming yourself and becoming more and just like you were saying turning the base lead that you know it's like we we're all base lead you know it's like we come into this world with you know, all kinds of, you know, hurdles to overcome. And uh, we're barely even human when we're born, you know, like we have to like grow. And, you know, so so it's a whole other set of metaphors and also practical techniques to become more than, you know, to become your best self, to become more than yourself. And I think that that's, uh, you know, it's certainly helped me. And I, I think that uh, I think it's one of, one of the reasons that people are so interested in it is, because they want that, they need that, and they also need the sense of life becoming an adventure instead of just overwhelming and, you know, just a meaningless, you know, consumerist void that we live in. So that's one of the, the great gifts of this 
you know, these systems, alchemy, magic, all this, I mean, these are eternal systems of eternal wisdom that have been handed down by thousands of years of ancestors. You know, it's not going to get much better than that. You know, I mean, what we're really talking about with, with these things is tapping into uh, the collective wisdom of humanity. And what, you know, that's what we need most of all and more than ever right now when we have almost, you know, we're approaching 9 billion people very soon on this planet. We have not just nuclear bombs, but we have an artificial intelligence coming, bioweapons, you know, the ability of anybody. You know, I just saw the other day that you can now get a DIY CRISPR kit off the Internet. Jesus. It's like that's the world that we're going into. And, you know, if I was to have one message, it would be, you know, our technological ability as a species has skyrocketed to levels we can barely handle just within the last decade, but certainly within the last hundred years. But our wisdom and our ability to handle that power is back in the dark ages. And yeah, that's we're a, still that's, cavemen. We're still yeah. wired like cavemen. We're, and we're getting more and more tribal than ever right now. And that's, Identity that's, a, that's, politics. that's, that's dangerous. It's I, dangerous. I couldn't agree more. Uh, that's super fascinating. Yeah. Um, I mean, now that we've given some examples of like how magic is far older than uh, the West, I was can pretty, I just ask yeah. some real quick? Sure. I just, mm -hmm. and I might be the most ignorant person involved with this podcast, including the listeners. So I'm going to just say that right now. When we say magic, yes, uh, we're not talking about Siegfried Roy and white tigers, right? I mean, we're uh, you know like you know, hey, like, hey, hey look at this, I got a quarter <laughs> out of your ear, right, right, right. Well, well, explain what you because. We've had other people who are into uh, chaos White. magic and stuff like that. Can you explain kind of what the concept is? So here's my definition of magic. And I, I use magic as a catch-all term to talk about all these things. Any system whatsoever handed down, either if it's ancient wisdom or modern psychology, modern insights, for changing consciousness. I, I use magic as a blanket term. And I use it because, A, it's silly enough that nobody's going to take it too seriously. And B, it sounds really cool because it is really cool. So it's like a spoonful of sugar makes the mess and go down in yeah. a weird way, right? But the Hollywood, yes. And the Hollywood definition of magic, like you see movies about magic or Hollywood, whatever. It's like, you know, it's, it's like Harry Potter or people right, making fireballs right. come out of their hands. What magic and, and uh, what you said earlier where it's related to Maya creating illusions, you know, stage magic is the production of illusions that look cool. Real magic is taking illusions away. In just the same way that you were saying of when life kicks your ass or when you do practices that make you see what reality really is and gives you puts you raw into infinity, um, you know, shaking before the void and you have to confront reality. That's real magic. A real magician takes illusions away. So that's my definition of magic. But it, it absolutely is a set of, you know, as we were talking about with John D, it's a set of practices from Western esotericism, Kabbalah, um, uh, tarot, ritual, magic, certainly astral projection, Sorry. divination, I Ching, um, yoga, all the esoteric yoga stuff we were talking about, and lot, shamanism, lots, lots more. And humanity has been doing these things for its entire existence, and so it's real hard to say all of that stuff in one breath, so I just say magic. Because it sounds cool. Such an interesting The realm. idea is that, like, uh, as society, we have amnesia. We've, like, lost sense of, like, the... Uh, self capital self like the god immortal godhood and all we've been like obsessed with now is the mortal animal body right mm. c.s lewis said you don't have a soul you are a soul you have a body and all we do is walk around just thinking like we have a body i mean 
Or maybe they're the same thing. Maybe they're not so different after all. Isn't that where the enlightenment comes, where you, you fuse the two, your soul with your body? Or maybe you just become aware that they're, they're you know, different expressions of the same thing. It's uh, what like. How do you like go to parties and talk to chicks and <laughs> deal with this stuff? You know, do they? How do they take it? Do they love it? I think that women right now, particularly, are really leading the way in this. And if you For look sure. at if you look at the the popularity of the witchcraft movement uh, among in you know the feminist witchcraft movement and you know young women really embracing the uh, Wicca, yeah. And, but young women embracing the archetype of the witch and the idea of reclaiming power. And I think also in general, I mean, magic really is the realm of the intuition and, you know, not to be overgendered, but I think that women tend to have a much better understanding of that than men. Men, you know, as men were so analytical and engineering and systems, kind of like systems yeah. based, right? You know, yeah. I'm super, super like that. And, and magic uh, in many ways is, can be like that, but it can also be very much, um, very much intuitive and so i think that that women are leading the way on this you know and so so i i never have a pause in a conversation usually when i'm talking to people about this stuff and that that again was really shocking for me because i had come from the assumption that people were going to be like what is this dungeons and dragons bullshit like what are you talking about you know like get out of here like you like what do you what do you like in a robe you're like summoning the devil you're like alistair crowley that type of thing but i actually found exactly the opposite which is that either people already know about it in walks of life you would never expect, or they're they're just really open, you know, fascinated and curious. And I think that that for me was a really confirming signal that of just what we've been talking about, which is that this is part of the heritage of humanity. It is something that people intuitively know that they need that they've lost, and that you know certainly, and of course this plays into the John D stuff as well. I mean, certainly in the last few hundred years, certainly since industrialization. It has been in, in the interests of global capitalism and, and capitalism in general and certainly religion um, to turn that off for people and demonize it and tell them, oh, well, that's the, the devil and don't do that and all that stuff. Yes, because yes, just, for, just yes. for the reason of what we were talking about where when you were talking about all the as above, so below and the internal, it's like when you realize that you, you know, not to sound cheesy, but you have everything you need inside. Mm-hmm then why do you need a Big Mac? Why do you need you know, to drink? Why do you need any of this? And just to give a very concrete example so that it's not just um, theory, you know, when you get really good at magical, practice, magical practices or shamanic practices or particularly esoteric yoga practices like we were talking about, you get really, really high. Yeah. You, and like I've done my share of experimenting, okay? Like I have a baseline. <laughs> like you, know, you get like better than, better than, better than orgasmic experiences better than you know you know drug experiences you get really really high and you can do it free on when you know it takes a while to to train but you can do it free on demand and without needing to buy anything so if people knew that they had that amount of ecstasy on tap internally just by essentially doing you know real you know heavy breathing practices for long periods of time and and there's lots more to it than that but why, you know why 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 would they want an xbox you know no, I, mean? I i completely get that and like i'll tell you like after working out like whatever your workout is you enjoy you you experience that high i've i've you know whether it's thai boxing jujitsu whatever yeah. you get this like whoa man i am like 
I'm like humming, kind of like when you did drugs, the hum that comes with doing drugs. And it is very interesting that they're making, you know, video games so exciting that people don't want to leave their house and interact right. with people. And it's just like... Well, you I, know about the whole addiction thing that they're doing in video games now, right? No. Like they ha there's a whole... I, there's an actual job title for it um, where there are people who are paid consultants just to make video games addictive. And they figured out how to tap into oh, all the same up, parts man. of the brain... But I mean, look, I mean, you know, I, I love video with games, pornography. But. I mean, like, like some put out that porn was a uh, it was a way to demonize male sexuality, that uh, a porn addiction, sex addiction. And as somebody who suffers from both at a time in his life, those are real things, man. Mm -hmm. You could get really into the, the world of pornography and and, and, uh, and being a sex. I've seen men's careers destroyed through sexual addiction and mm. um i could see how they could do that with video games where it starts hitting that same kind of yeah. spot in your brain where uh where coke gives you the kind yeah. of the, well you, you look know. at these you know video games are so like well done now but you look at them you're constantly getting these badges and rewards and you're constantly getting a positive feedback wow that's what drugs do you know i mean that's what that's what you know and life doesn't do that you're constantly getting chaos feedback or negative feedback or like you know like but when you're playing video games they're they're constantly giving you those little badges wow. or rewards or and they and people are paid to make those addictive and they do the same thing with phone apps also facebook instagram or whatever app i mean that's what we're up against now you know and i think people like particularly in the last five years with you know as the phones have gotten better and better like we're just fucked like yeah. they've proven now yeah. that those uh, permanently alter your brain wiring what you know like a phone yeah i gotta get off it good yeah. luck but well I yeah like I, that's what i said but good luck right <laughs> I, will I got a flip phone i'm like how do i gotta put the numbers i'm done here and i know it, i know it's all in your book but could you just like briefly describe who john d was yeah okay and, so Nokian magic the whole idea so here's the so how do we get here right how do we get into this crazy yeah. bizarre you know kind of cage reality that seems to be the reality that we're living in right now so here's the mother of all conspiracy facts, realities. So John Dee uh, was the court astrologer and scientific advisor for Queen Elizabeth I in the 16th century. And he was probably the biggest genius in England at the time. He had five times the books of Oxford and Cambridge, and he was uh, deeply studied in mathematics and geography and, and uh, optics and the occult. At a time when all these things were kind of considered the same thing, you, the, people just considered that they were studying reality, and these things were held for the elite, for the Illuminati, if you want to call it that, although that was a historical term that came later. But um, D was the person who came up with the idea of the British Empire, and he also spent ten year, around 10 years of his life, from in his 50s and 60s, exclusively talking to angels using a, a psychic named Edward Kelly, and doing for these, ten like, years, he did that. almost ten years, not quite wow. ten years, but for t and there's all over a thousand pages of records of what the angels said, and what the angels said was uh, they gave them the core system of magic, which is now called Enochian, uh, which also contains the Enochian language, which is supposedly the language spoken by angels and the language spoken by humanity before the fall from the Garden of Eden. But what the angels essentially said is there needs to be a new world order underneath elizabeth and instead of the pope having control there needs to be one protestant global empire with elizabeth as the head and one global religion which will reunite unite islam judaism catholicism um 
<clears throat> Protestantism and even paganism, and that there should be absolute total global control uh, so that basically the end of the world can be brought about and the book of Revelations can be uh, made real. Which, Unbelievable. <laughs> which, frankly, I think is kind of what's happened. Well, I, I, I see it. I mean, like, <laughs> these people want the end of days. Everyone thinks Jesus comes and it's a block party, right? Like, mm -mm. it's a, it's like 500 years of darkness. It's like, <laughs> a, it's a shit show, man. You remember that fire festival on the island where all the fucking tents were bullshit? No one had food. That's going to be 500 years of that. It's going to be a Ja Rule music <laughs> festival of just dog shit for five year, 500 years. It's like, I don't know why yeah. people want it. It's so totally. weird. Well, uh, it's like if you talk to, like I said, I'll talk to Christians, right? And, and people who are like very, you know, Jesus is coming back any day now. And I'll say, well, how do you feel about the locusts? They're like, the locusts? What are you talking about? You know, when the pit of Abaddon and Apollyon is opened and the locusts fly out and they're, what are they? They're like uh, flying scorpions with the face of men. And they what? go through killing everyone in the world. And, um, you know, I don't know. Sounds like drones to me. That's, yeah. And he's talking about Apache, Apache, and Apache helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. And that pit he's talking about is where CERN is located. There you go. What? <laughs> yeah, what he just mentioned. We've talked about that before. Wait, is that I a real thing? Have. Yeah. Wait, what, so what is that? The Swiss-Franco border is where CERN is located. And that is you know where CERN is? Apollyon yeah. was. Yeah. That's where the polychrome was. Oh, my God. So Abaddon, the, the, they're opening a portal. What? They have a statue of Shiva, as we know, Shiva the right, destroyer, right, right. A ring of fire. They do the dance of Shiva in this video. Their whole idea is to open up and bring forth, or they don't know what's going to come in or come out, but they're opening. You got to send me a link to that or something. It's, That's intense. It's pretty That's wild, intense. right? Um, but, this is, but, but this is very, okay, so if you look at America, right, and if you look at, um, the founding of America was based on this idea of creating a global Christian empire and hastening the apocalypse. This is something Columbus believed. Ronald Reagan believed it. George Bush uh, uh, Jr. believed oh. it. Mike Pence sure as hell believes it. Oh. And um, this has kind of been the secret mythology in some ways, not necessarily with the occult angle, but certainly with the apocalyptic Christian angle of the people who've been steering the ship of Western civilization for 500 years. So what I've really done in this book is bring that to light in detail. And I've also kind of said, like, hey, is this really the script we, we want to follow? Yeah, dude. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit much. You have blown my fucking skull, dog. So, <laughs> so you're talking about the writings of the angels. Is that the spirit diaries? That's the spirit diaries. Awesome. That's right. What is the spirit diaries? So those are just the rec. So when they were doing these rituals, they would write down what the angels said. And most of what the angels said was they were delivering them these intense diagrams that looked like microchips or kind of electrical wiring diagrams that were meant for building the Enochian tablets and the Enochian system, which was um, basically the world's most complicated ever Ouija board for talking to angels. And they wanted everyone in the world to be able to have one so that they could talk directly to the angels without the intermediary, uh, intermediary of, of necessarily corrupted human institutions. So what kind of uh, impact, like where can you visibly see his claw marks of John D on society nowadays? So the big ones, the number one, obviously, is the, the he, he literally created the phrase the British Empire. Hmm. Um, that was his coining. And he was the one that uh, 
really propagandized or, or pushed Elizabeth for the idea of creating an English empire instead of letting there be Catholic world domination at the time that England was just a kind of a very, very poor country. And he also uh, did all the naval schematics and provided all the uh, paradoxical compass and all the technology necessary for turning England into a naval power, which is how they became an empire. He also chartered the uh, the voyage of Sir Francis Drake, the first circumnavigation around the tip of South America. It was the first time that had ever been done, and Drake uh, landed at Drake's Bay in San Francisco and uh, got to the west coast of America for the first time under, under Dee's uh, orders, essentially. And there was actually a, a deal that if he'd gone any further, if he'd gone above the 50th parallel, everything would have belonged to Dee that he found, which meant that he would have owned Canada. Um, <laughs> But also, he was the first person to introduce geography to the British public, and when he, he introduced uh, Euclid's elements, and he brought the uh, you know the plus minus divide and multiply signs to the public, I think, in a big way for the first time ever, which they thought was black magic. I mean, that's kind of how people <laughs> feel about math now, also. But um, oh th- th- and that's just ah, the beginning, dude. and that was that was before the angelic apocalypse stuff started happening. It's fascinating. So, do you believe that a new world order has been established? Yeah. And I think that, but I'm very, this is how I I feel like it's kind of disintegrating right now Hmm. because actually I was writing this book while Brexit happened. And, you know, I think the world is just kind of shitting itself right now. And I think that the new world order was the British empire and then it was the American empire. And now it seems to be transitioning into something that we don't fully understand yet. And that may have something to do with the internet it may have something to do with new technologies like AI and blockchain. I don't really understand what it's going to be yet, but I think that. Um, but here's the thing. I've, here's the thing about that. I always go back to with conspiracy. Not and I don't even like the phrase conspiracy theories yeah. because people just like I'll tell people like you know for instance when the NSA stuff was happening like I was saying like dude Snowden said that they wiretapped everyone on the planet. And people just come back like, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. It's like, no, it's not a conspiracy theory. It happened. But if you just say that, then just people shut down, right? So I don't even, but. It's spiritual skepticism. That's what we say. We, uh, we are skeptic of the official narrative on this show. And we, we fight it all the time. I just feel that people are so afraid of the truth hmm. that they'd rather live in la-la land until impact. And at that moment of impact, they'd rather have that two seconds of, what the fuck's going on? Fade the black. Then actually go, oh, if I engage in this, I might have to deal with something I'm not comfortable with. Sure. And and in particular, when they have children. When people have kids, they do not want to know what is going on because then Mm. they've brought someone into this shit show. And you see it happen all the time. Conspiracy. Have kids. Oh, dude, just, hey, man, stop with the conspiracies. Right, 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 Deal right. with the, listen to Wolf Blitzer. Gotta, gotta, He's a good guy. Practice. Look at him. He, he looks like fucking Dracula, has a name Wolf, and, but we trust him. You know what I'm saying? It's like this weird thing. And the opposite goes, because when you think of being a teenager, teenage angst is when you have like a sudden realization. You're like, what the fuck? Why'd you bring me into this existence? Yeah. And then you're listening to Bauhaus and you're you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that was or is me. that just me? Uh, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> in your eye, who rules the world? Who is there? Uh, 13th family, the black nobility, uh, Committee of 300. Pindar, the le- lizard person. Like if you, in your idea, who do you think rules? Because I want to do in a whole breakdown, that whole pyramid. And maybe there's just a bunch of people working together. And there's no one person to rule them all. But in your thoughts, PewDiePie. 
I think that um, so Robert Anton Wilson said something so important about this. You, you must know Bob Wilson, right? Yeah. So so I he, just said, yeah, this sound cool. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't. Oh, he was a, a you know a great conspiracy uh, researcher and the, the and magic researcher in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. If you haven't read his stuff, dude, you have to read yes. his stuff. It's amazing. You have to. Illuminatus trilogy is his most famous. I, so, I will get those books from you because I want to ask that once you answer this. You'll question. you'll love them. So uh, so he so he so Robert Anton Wilson was the the editor of Playboy, uh, Playboy magazine in the late sixties. Oh really? And he when he was the editor, he would constant one of his jobs was reading the mail, and they would constantly be he would constantly get mail. From like, you know, romantic written like people sending in conspiracy theories about like at the time it was like, oh, the communist conspiracy to poison the water and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And him and a, <laughs> he got so much of it and he, he found it so fascinating that he and another guy, Bob Shea, um, decided to write a whole novel as if all of these conspiracy theories were true. Yeah. And so, so which was the Illuminatus trilogy. But what happened was he started to realize that a lot of them were true, and even stuff that he wrote in the book that he thought was just stuff that he made up also turned out to be true, which is kind of how magic works as well. But he, um, and then he kind of went off on his own to to do research that stuff and and magic techniques for a full time, and is you know now passed sadly, but was a you know very big dude at the time. And he said the conclusion that he came to about this stuff, because he researched every, just every single conspiracy theory you can imagine, is that what he decided is that at any given time, there's probably like 40 or 50 different groups vying for power. And there's like all like 40, 50 conspiracy theories at, at work and overlapping each other. And the example that he gives is, you know, you think about like your local PTA meeting right yeah. think right. about like all the right. factions right. and like right. the ba- you know, the little politics that happen and like people trying to like think about like people trying to get something passed at city council oh, you know yeah. and like the the you know the lobbying and the groups they've they team up in and just you think about that level of chaos and then you just extrapolate that to the highest level to global <laughs> politics and there you go so are conspiracies real like yeah absolutely there's conspiracies happening all the time but the question is like well you know who's who's on top right and i think that i don't think any one person is on top i just think it becomes geopolitics you know i just think it becomes competing gangs just like this you know street level damn it's so interesting now i'm you've blown my mind this time this episode it's been a great episode you're welcome back anytime you'd like to come on thank you guy anything you got to push I'm gonna st- I'm gonna start looking into magic. Right? Okay. What is the first thing I do? So, I'm 45. Can I get into this, or is this pass me by? No, no, no. Absolutely. In fact, it's it's better to you know in uh, in Kabbalah, people were told not to start doing it until they were 40. That's so. unbelievable. I've always said that religion. It's like why 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 you you know it sums up a religion that they teach it to children. Because if they if they really believe what they do, they like, wait till you're 18. We'll right. pitch you on this. See if you're into it. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's for what we were talking about. It's like, you know, if you haven't experienced life, you shouldn't be tripping out on all this stuff. You know, you should deal with just life. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I certainly I started when I was 16 and I have no regrets. So but uh, so I actually have a free course on it um, that where I give you everything you need to get started. And you can actually get it for free if you text the word shaman to 44222. So just S-H-A-M. 
A-N, shaman, to 44222. It'll ask you for your email address, and then it will send you a one-week free email course with video and podcasts and all kinds of stuff. That's awesome. I will do that. And uh, I don't know if you're, like, uh, able to pick up on vibes, but uh, if you're ever interested, you should come to the Comedy Store sometime and come down to the basement and see what uh, you pick up on down there. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to. I've I've seen a couple shows there because I used to live right around the corner by that Whole Foods. Hell yeah. And... um, yeah, it's fun. But yeah, so the book is John D. and the Empire of Angels. It comes out April 17th. I'm recommending that people pre-order, which you can do now because it's a hardcover occult book and those usually sell out real quick because there's like a secondhand collector's market. One of the last ones I did is now $2,000 on eBay. People hoard those things because there's so much demand for them. Must so, be nice. <laughs> well, if, you, you know, if, if you're the one that was the collector, I actually want people to read them and not collect them. But there you, go. Uh, you can get it. The website is johnd007.com because, by the way, he was the original 007. He started the British Intelligence Agency. Unbelievable. And his code name was 007, which is where Ian Fleming got that. Oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. So it's John D, J-O-H-N-D-E-E. 007.com and you can find the book there dude sometime can you come over and open a portal (laughs) yeah let's go hang out with duncan open a portal i want to open a portal make sure we close it though yeah yeah we gotta close that shit but i'm in dude yeah he was kind of wigging out and now it's time for everybody's (laughs) favorite part of the show we haven't done lately hey ron well you better be sick dead or mute hey hey ron you done messed up hey hey ron you filthy animal it's time for Ask Aaron. Thoughts, Aaron. We went deep into this one. Certainly did. Uh, I was almost lulled into a stupor. <laughs> what does no, that mean? No offense. You, you just have, uh, you just have a, a good voice, and it was, I was getting a little uh, sleepy. Okay. Um, I enjoyed Sam screaming in your ears. Yeah, I didn't have, it wasn't so much Sam, so it was not keeping me awake as it normally does. Um, I don't know. I'm just curious. It seems like this John D. guy ha- is everything. <laughs> and I just wonder, like, at some point when he's talking to angels, is he just, is he just uh, a nut? Oh, okay. Uh, it's do... very interesting who we accept talking to God from and who we don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, understand that I don't accept any. Oh, you're an atheist? <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so, why. So, yeah. So, I, I, I just think our understanding of mental, not mental illness, but mental degradation i guess when you get older right and uh people getting paranoid and people getting right wing and weird and i think that's still going on today so i'm just wondering if that's so you're saying this whole thing is built built on someone's got schizophrenia well i think i think or, a lot of things are not just this okay uh, well i found that uh, dude this is probably one of my favorite episodes we've done hmm. are we on the air right now yeah. Wow. Well, I, I'll just say to that real quick. So I, I in the book, I, I proposed maybe 10 different theories of what could have happened. Okay. And I start, obviously, from a place of skepticism. Cool. And I say, so here are the options, right? Number one, and by the way, he, Dee was writing it down, and Kelly, the psychic, who was half his age, he's 25, he's an alcoholic, you know, he was a very uh, sketchy character, so it was very called into question immediately. Um, the most obvious explanation is just it was he was just making it up. Mm-hmm. Um, another explanation is he was being since they were involved in the intelligence agencies, somebody, intelligence agencies, somebody was just feeding them information to screw with the to give bad information to the queen. That's another option. Mm-hmm. Schizophrenia or some other type of mental illness is definitely another option. Um, 
the uh, drug use could have been happening. But when you look at the records, the thing about them is they're nothing like um, what you would expect from that type of situation because they were given a full language with its own grammar and syntax, which checks out even by modern linguists in the 1970s. And uh, they were given these immensely complex uh, uh, diagrams and things like that. And so uh, Crowley, Alistair Crowley, who's also a pretty dubious character, when he was looking at this stuff in the 20s or the 20s or 30s, he said that if Kelly was making this stuff up, he had to be the greatest mathematical, uh, simultaneously one of the greatest mathematical geniuses of Elizabethan England with a command of the English language, you know, greater than Shakespeare, Milton, and the Bible. And I don't think that if you read this stuff, the language is also is so beautiful. It, it's hard to debate that. Aaron, why don't you but believe it, it in could, that? It could have been all of those things at once. It could <laughs> yeah, have been mental I mean, illness, drug easily, use. It could have and, been all of those things. You know, yeah. it's hard. It's very, you and know, they, this guy could I'm have been agnostic. a genius too. Like, I mean, right. you know. Sounds All those things. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but I, 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 I don't, you know, I put all those theories out there. And, yeah, yeah, uh, I appreciate that rather than coming Aaron, did you a, really just like, tell our guests he almost put you to sleep? He has a very <laughs> soothing voice. I, I was can't trying believe to be complimentary. you say that. Well. That's so mean, dude. Dropping truth here, dog. <laughs> You're dropping truth. I, for one, found you to be one of the most interesting guests we've had on. It's been a real... Uh, Aaron is our local skeptic slash asshole. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, don't ever take anything he says serious. Uh, I am. I, I'm very uh, thankful that you came on the show. It was a it was a fun episode for me. It's going to get me started into this. I'd like to look into it. And uh, yeah, that's it. Final thoughts from you, Ryan. And then I just want to push the dates again. Yeah, thanks so much, Jason. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you uh, for having me on. That was great. Thank you for sharing. Uh, again, March 25th, we're doing uh, the. I'm doing my live taping at the Viper Room, 7:30 and 9:30. Email me, Sam Triplett Live at Gmail. How many people do you want to go with, and what show you want to go to? And then tickets will be going live. San Francisco, I know you got a lot of punch drunk listeners, a lot of tinfoil hat listeners. Go to uh, support tinfoil hat comedy night. We'll be at Cobbs on June 1st. I'm very excited. They gave us Friday first show, so I'm so thankful that they hooked us up with us. And then Saturday first show in Sacramento. Go check it out. We'll be uh, All the information will be at samtriplee.com. I love you guys. Thanks for all the support. We will talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Sweet.